Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Thanks for being here. I'm David Brody. It's Wednesday, June 2nd, 2021. So let's start with this visual, shall we? Donald Trump in the Oval Office. All right, no, I know, Joe Biden's president. But ever since a New York Times reporter tweeted out information about how the former president has been telling a number of people close to him that he expects to be reinstated as president in August. Well, hey, the story started to blow up. We want to get to the bottom of that. We're going to have more in a moment. Also, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signs a bill that should be a no-brainer. Transgender males can't play alongside female athletes in high school sports. Duh. Yet, of course, he's being criticized for it. We're going to dig deeper. And have you heard there's a crisis at the southern border? Oh, I'm sorry. It's just a situation that needs to be mitigated, according to the Biden administration, at least. Oh, and don't worry, Kamala Harris, on top of it, maybe she can get it done over, I don't know, a long weekend. Uh, Anyhow, the state of Texas now declaring a state of emergency due to the immigration crisis we will explore. But first, I want to clear up a few things about this President Trump story. I, I want to bring in someone very close to Trump. Corey Lewandowski is former campaign manager, senior advisor. Corey, hey, thanks for being here on the phone with us. Appreciate it. Well, David, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, look, first of all, I, what can you tell us about this tweet? It was put out by Maggie Haberman. Uh, it's been out there saying that the former president has been talking to people close to him about this idea that he would be reinstated as president in August. Uh, Corey, uh, help me out on, on this. Well, look, David, as you know and your and your viewers know, I've had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with uh, Mr. Trump, President Trump, and now post-President Trump. I had dinner with him last week uh, in Bedminster, and we talked about an array of things. And this conversation has never occurred with me. And, I'm look, I'm not uh, the closest to the president, but I've got to be in the top ten is my guess. I mean, <laughs> I talk to him almost every day. And so, you know, what, what I think you find sometimes – is the media wants to distract from what's really going on. And what we saw this week, David, is Jonathan Carl from ABC News had to issue an apology on behalf of all major media outlets who basically said they had an egg on their face because what Donald Trump was talking about last year, that the Wuhan virus uh, originated at a laboratory there, and the media completely dismissed them, now becomes a credible news story because Joe Biden is in the White House. And so, look, what I think this is is a bait and switch. I think it's an opportunity for the media to drive a narrative about something else that they want Donald Trump to be saying. But I can tell you, as a person who talks to the former president on a very regular basis, I've never had that conversation with him. So I'm not saying it's dishonest. I'm just saying that I've never heard it. Right. Got it. All right. So we should just kind of take it with a grain of salt, if you will, or, or maybe less than a grain of salt, whatever, whatever it is. Um, hey, by the way, this uh, POTUS 45 website, we, we got the word uh, earlier today that it was taken down, that the one on the office of uh, uh, President POTUS 45, after about a month. Do you know, what can you tell us about that? Jason Miller's telling uh, folks on Twitter that uh, they're going to come out with something 
something new at some point. What, what can you tell us about that? It, it, it disappeared after a month. Well, look, here's what I can tell you. We know that the social media platforms have been uh, very negative towards conservatives. We know that because they would not publish the story that the New York Post put out about Hunter Biden's laptop. We know that because as it related to COVID, they banned uh, the dissemination of information. And we know that because they banned Donald Trump on most of the major social media platforms. And we also know, because it's now been public, David, that the president and his team has been working on creating their own opportunity to interact directly with the people through their own social media platform. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do. Obviously, it takes enormous amounts of time and research and dedication to make that happen. It is getting closer by the day. And without getting in front of the president, I can tell you that there will be a communication tool that Donald Trump will have the opportunity to interact with uh, people around the globe on. It will be an interactive tool, and it will not be one that will be canceled because some uh, executive in Los Angeles doesn't like what the president has to say. All right. So was there any was this just not getting traction, the one that he put up uh, or, or is it this was kind of distracting from where you want to go with the social media stuff anyhow? Look, I, I think what we know is that the tool that we were using was probably not as adequate as we wanted because it wasn't interactive. It was basically a one-way communication tool, and you and I both know how much the president loves to interact with people. Right. So I think you're going to see a new tool that comes out, which is much more interactive, much more intuitive. It continues to get the president's message out, but does so in a manner where other people can respond to it. Good deal. Hey, on, on uh, Anthony Fauci, look, we've got some news this afternoon. I, I want to get you up to speed a little bit. Conservatives are pouncing on these new email emails that are out now, the FOIA request. There's a lot to go through. One of them apparently details correspondence that Fauci had with a key figure linked to the lab in Wuhan. And in that email, Corey, that person thanks Fauci for shooting down the myths that COVID started in the Wuhan lab. And by the way, there's another one. This is an NIH scientist who told Fauci back in January of last year that COVID did look potentially engineered. Of course, Fauci never told the public that. He said the exact opposite. What's some of your reaction uh, to these Fauci emails? Look, I call him phony Fauci because this guy has rewritten history for the last two years. First, he said we shouldn't ban flights from mainland China, which, thank God, President Trump did. Then he said masks weren't mandated. Uh, and then he said this wasn't a threat. And so now he's changed his tune again. But what we also know, David, is that Anthony Fauci personally authorized at least $600,000 of taxpayer money to go to the Wuhan laboratory for their research. What we also know, based on the emails which have been distributed, is that Anthony's counterpart in China, the head of infectious disease at China, is the one who emailed Anthony about this, and he never disclosed that. You know, the, the last thing that I will tell you about Anthony Fauci is when he was pressed under Congress, uh, if he was making any money off of any of these things, and he said, well, you know, I'm just a government employee. He forgot to mention he's the highest paid government employee in America, and that you know, Ron, uh, Rand Paul has held him accountable, saying, why do you continue to double mask if you have been vaccinated? And he doesn't have an answer to these things. So Anthony Fauci has become a politician. And what that means, David, is God forbid we actually have another crisis in the near future because he has lost all of his credibility. And it, it will cause the American people to call into question these people who are supposed to be unbiased and non-political and only provide the best information, that has now gone by the wayside. And we have seen that phony Fauci has had his own agenda from the very beginning. Corey, uh, the conser conservatives want to see him fired. Uh, where do you th what's the media's role in all this? Are they covering for Fauci? 
Well, of course they are. He's become a darling of MSNBC, a darling of CNN, a darling of all of the liberal media outlets. He lives on television. You know, he continues to change his story. But the amazing thing is, David, he's never held accountable by any of the reporters who interview him. If that were me or any other conservative who were in that position and changed their story as much as he did, it would be front page news in every media outlet. But they don't do that because he's a darling of the left. He attacks Donald Trump for the failures that he perceived were the COVID response. And the truth is, if it wasn't for Donald Trump and Operation Warp Speed, this country would not be anywhere near to the uh, inoculation rate that we have today. Corey, speaking of Donald Trump, give us an update on these rallies. I know you don't want to get ahead of the, uh, the former president, but at least give us a sense of uh, what, what they potentially will look like, uh, what cities potentially he may be going to. We know in uh, Saturday he'll be in North Carolina at the Republican convention. What should people expect in terms of the contours of what these will look like? Well, look, this is going to be very reminiscent of 2015, the early days, David, or what we call the OG days, if you remember, because I was there <laughs> during the OG days, right? And what that means is Donald Trump is going to be speaking to the North Carolina Republican Party on Saturday. I, I spoke to the party chairman down there, Mike Watley. He told me that within 24 hours of uh, the president announcing that he was coming, I think they sold 1,000 tickets to the event. It's going to be a big blowout, and this is going to be the president going around reminding, and in this particular instance, the Republicans of what life was like just four to six short months ago, where gas prices were under $2 a gallon, where we didn't have a border crisis. Uh, more than that, though, you're going to see the president on the road. The president loves to be on the road. He's going to be out talking to people. He thrives in those environments, as you know. We're going to be planning a trip to Ohio where we are actively engaged in the Ohio 16th Congressional District, which is currently held by uh, a rhino by the name of Gonzalez. And Donald Trump is going to be up there campaigning to make sure that we can defeat that Republican in the primary and support Max Miller, a candidate uh, who used to work for us in the White House and on the campaign. Yeah. So you're going to see the president traveling. Um, you're going to see him out with the people. And we're going to see some coverage that we haven't seen in a while. And I think the American people miss him. By the way, I got 30 seconds or so for you to respond to this. But uh, you must be really uh, happy to know that Kamala Harris is not only taking care of the uh, crisis at the border, but now she's going to lead Biden's administration effort on voting rights. I mean, uh, what's next? World peace? Well, you know, she'll do it over the long weekend. Go enjoy the long weekend, if you remember, David, right? I mean, look, this is this is just the, the most insane thing. She still hasn't been to the border. She was the one who was out uh, while she was a U.S. senator chastising the members of the Border Patrol, saying that they weren't doing their jobs and, and thought they were shameful. Look, I stand with the men and women in law enforcement, the men and women who serve on the thin blue line. I stand for the flag, and I kneel for God. It's very simple. And these are not American or Democrat ideals, David. They're American. You know, these are, these are American ideals. And so yeah. You know, they're not Democrat, they're not Republican, but the issue of voter integrity yep. is so important because if we don't change the system, you can't have a fair election. Corey Lewandowski on the water cooler and dropping the mic in the process. Corey, great to see you, sir. Or great to hear you. <laughs> hey, thank you. All right, uh, Corey Lewandowski, known him for a very long time, back in the old days, if you will, in 2015, uh, when Trump glided down that escalator. I know people are fond about it. Back in a moment. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. 
Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Democrats in Texas, they walked on out. And Texas Governor Greg Abbott said, yeah, nice try. Uh, This is what we're going to do to you. Have a look. Uh, So Texas Governor Greg Abbott is vowing to cut the pay of state Democrats and others for blocking this Republican voting reform bill. Uh, boy, this whole thing is just uh, quite, a, quite a mess down there in Texas. Uh, let's uh, go down to Texas and talk to the Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxson, uh, back on the water cooler. Ken, always great to have you on the show. Hey, thanks for having me back. Well, take us through this a little bit. I mean, uh, Governor Abbott playing hardball. Uh, Democrats thought they were playing hardball. Where is this going exactly, and what's the contours of, of what's happening here? Look, I love what he's doing. I hope he'll also call him back. I'm sure he will. This is a ploy by the Democrats. They used it in the past. They actually used it when I was in the House. They took off during redistricting. And back then, Governor Perry kept calling him back, and eventually we, we got the job done. They cannot avoid their responsibility by running. The Republican legislature will just keep coming back until they get it done. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, some of the concerns that, uh, in, in essence, w- that the Democrats had over this bill. Kind of take us through a little bit about what they're claiming versus the actual bill itself. So generally, they make sort of platitude claims that they're, we're suppressing the bill by stopping this voter harvesting and this massive effort to do mail-in ballots. And what I can tell you is that what really works for, for election security is photo IDs. And we passed that back in 2011, 2013 era, and it's worked really well because what actually happened was voting went up, and that's because people have confidence that their votes really matter. So that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to make sure that people have, can have confidence in the election, and the, the Democrats don't want to say, hey, this is going to allow more fraud, so they claim voter suppression, which is just false. I, I want to move to another topic, the state of emergency uh, declared by the governor down there in Texas over uh, Biden's border crisis. I guess if Kamala Harris were writing the headline, it would be Biden's uh, uh, situation that they're mitigating because it's not a crisis. That would be the headline. Uh, so so what, what's happening right. down there in Texas and why the need for the state of emergency? What does it do from a federal or excuse me, a state fund standpoint and, and other things? What does it trigger? So it's an excellent call by the governor. I've talked to so many sheriffs down there, just federal, state, everybody. They all realize there's a huge problem. This allows the state to, to mobilize all resources to deal with the crisis. We are certainly limited by the federal government and the the Supreme Court decision that said we can't pass laws related to immigration. I think that's a wrong decision that was decided several years ago with Kennedy being the the writer of that opinion. But I think this is our way of doing what we can to stop the massive influence of cartels through drug trafficking, human trafficking, sex trafficking, whatever they're doing. It's it's not good for, for my state. It's not good for the country. And it's not even that good for the people that are coming here because they're being manipulated by the cartels. They're having to pay the cartels, and then they're being controlled by the cartels. Well, you mentioned drugs. Uh, We saw this headline creep up about that exact problem. Uh, Texas is apparently creating this new crime for fentanyl ODs amid drug surging from the border crisis. So they're hopefully going to get some new laws on the books there, creating a new crime for fentanyl ODs. Uh, Your your take on, on what you're seeing at the border. Well, that, that's exactly, I, I was just down there last week, I was in Laredo, and that's certainly an issue because the Border Patrol, excellent people, I'm so proud of those guys and those men and women who are down there trying to protect the border, despite the fact that the Biden administration is doing everything they can to disable their power. 
but they're being distracted. They're being put on assignments like logistics to deal with all these people. And what that means is that the border is more open for drug importation and, and trafficking. And so, yeah, we're going to see more drugs in this country. We're going to see more fentanyl. And it's the direct result of the Biden policies to open the border. Uh, Ken, Kamala Harris is in charge, technically, of this border crisis, though they won't call it a crisis. Has anybody from the Biden administration contacted you or anybody in your office? Have you heard from Kamala Harris? I mean, what, what, has it been radio silence? What's the deal? Radio silence. We'd love to talk to them. We'd love to talk to the president, the vice president. We'd love to let them see what's going on on the border. I, I, I don't care what party you're from. We, we need help. And we would love it if they actually would come down here, meet with Border Patrol, meet with their own people, meet with some of the state people involved, our state police, our sheriffs, our local uh, police departments, our local mayors. They would then see what's really going on. My, my fear is they don't really want to know because they don't want coverage of this. They're going to do what they, they're going to do based on their own policies that are not good for our country. And, and that's where we're at. You mentioned we need help. Uh, what's the laundry list? Uh, what's the priorities down there? If, if you were in a room with Kamala Harris and you were having this discussion, what would be at the top of that list or near the top? Oh, it's so easy. I mean, we, we, we have a roadmap. Uh, the Obama administration, we had the same problems going on. And then we had the same problem, problems during the Trump administration. And then he started doing some things like building a wall that had a long-term impact. He, he allowed border security to do their job. That stay in Mexico problem program was huge to help us from keeping everybody from coming in and claiming asylum when they weren't really uh, qualified. And then the catch and release, uh, the, the idea that you just get released when you're caught, those policies were all ended under the Trump administration. And guess what? It all worked. Uh, I would tell them to go back to the policy. If they actually are, care about the drug problem and the trafficking problem, I'd tell them to go back and, and look at what actually worked, which were the policies I just mentioned. The problem is, is that their philosophy seems to be centered down in Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, this idea that if they create better conditions down there in those countries, this is what they say, at least, uh, that uh, families will be more willing to stay in those countries. But that seemed to be a kind of a bogus argument from the get-go. Yeah, I don't understand that. I mean, this nation-building thing has not always worked well for us, whether it was with the, the Bush administration with Afghanistan didn't work. I don't think it's going to work in, in Guatemala. I don't mind helping these countries. That is not the immediate uh, solution that we need. We need something much quicker than something that's going to take potentially, even if it works, decades in, in those three countries. We need to stop the drug trafficking, the human trafficking, the cartels right now, not but 10 years, 20 years now. For sure. I got 30 seconds. I, on, on a separate note, uh, you're going to be running for re-election. Uh, what do you make of some potential challengers? I know George uh, P. Bush uh, may be thinking about this. He's consulted with Donald Trump, uh, maybe about an expected challenge against you. What, what's your take on that in about 30 seconds? Hey, look, I, I look forward to the competition. Texans deserve choices, and I, I will put my record up over the last seven years against any anybody, including a land commissioner who has had many issues related to the Alamo and delivering funds to Houston uh, as it related to hurricanes. Let's talk about the issues. I'm happy to do that. I think if the, the people of Texas get to hear that debate, It'll be a good one for me. All right. Ken Paxton, great to have you on the show as always. Appreciate you. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. And I already have a, a, what he could say, because he's mentioned the Alamo. He could say, hey, with George P. Bush, if he runs, remember the Alamo. He could say that. Wouldn't that be hilarious? All right. It's not that funny. You know, it's a corny joke. It's a corny joke. It's what I do. It's how I roll. Anyhow, all right. When we come back, we've got Matt Staver, chairman of the Liberty Council. Uh, we'll be here talking about 
female athletes and transgender athletes. Oh, sorry, I need to replace transgender athletes with transgender males. Back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, Fairness. That's all it's about. Fairness. Very simple. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Let's put up this headline. Why did I pause? Florida's uh, Ron DeSantis, have you heard of him? He's like a rock star. He signs uh, this bill banning transgender athletes from playing on female teams. Uh, Let's be clear, transgender males from playing on female teams. It's not that hard, folks, but yet now we need legislation and bills actually passed and signed into law to do exactly this, which is fairness. Let's bring in Matt Staver, uh, chairman of the Liberty Council, to talk more about this. Matt, always good to see you, sir. Good to be with you. Matt, kind of give us the, the sense of what this bill is. This really is a trend now, it sounds, seems like, uh, with governors across the country. Well, it is great news. Uh, we certainly in Florida love Governor Ron DeSantis. He has been a great leader through all of the COVID restrictions and certainly on some of these critical issues like having boys, men play on girls' sports teams. And so he has signed that into law. It's now the law in the state of Florida. It's unbelievable that, David, as you mentioned, that we're in a situation like this in 2021 where we have to say, no, you know, girls' sports, therefore, well, girls. I mean, Title IX came into existence, the federal law, to help girls and women be able to participate and have equal opportunity in sports. And that's why you see the proliferation of these sports teams, particularly on the college level, and girls are able to participate in that through college, get scholarships from high school to college, and some of them even able to go into the professional sports because of their collegiate play. And that has been a huge benefit to women. But when you have men now entering into women's sports, whether it's uh, track and field or any other kind of sport, particularly contact sports or even weightlifting sports, it provides an unfair advantage. Not only does it interfere with the rights and opportunities of women, but it also puts them at severe risk because of the different makeup between men and women. Yeah, for sure. And I want to show a Gallup poll. Uh, We did a little research this morning. It says there that most uh, folks in America say trans athletes should play on teams that match uh, the birth gender. uh, And the the numbers are pretty solid uh, in that area. So uh, you you just wonder if Democrats have just gone once again. Here they go. They uh, take an inch or give an inch, take a mile. It seems to me like they're, they're overplaying their hand here. They think it's a winning issue. It's not a winning issue. It's not a winning issue. And you have to look at terminology, as you mentioned as a, at the beginning of the program. This is, you know, the, the media generally will say, well, a, a transgender woman. No, it's not a woman. It is a man That's or right. a male playing in a women's sports. I mean, recently you had the world records of a certain weightlifting category just shattered by a man who entered into the women's 
uh, weightlifting competition shattered all the records uh, by large amounts, not just by infinitesimal uh, pounds, but large amounts. You know, you had this one uh, woman who was at the top of her game in terms of mixed martial arts. And she uh, got pummeled by a man that was in the ring with her, broke her skull, and said that she had never been hit so hard in her entire life that she would never enter into a ring again with a man. So th this is really providing uh, risk to women, but it undermines their opportunities. You look at Connecticut, for example, it's gone off the deep end on this issue. And so some of the top athletes now that are winning which also are the athletes that are getting the scholarships, are men who are not able to compete in the in the men's category, so they jump over to the women's category, and they become number one, two, or three, for example, in the track programs, knocking out the historical or the rising star that had been number one for a couple of years before this at yeah. a critical time when they're looking for not only finishing their career in high school, but also then moving on to college. Matt, Liberty Council does such important work uh, in this area, religious liberty, uh, and so many other areas too, but religious liberty, key, a key focus. Uh, what are the legal contours of the argument here uh, as it relates to this issue, transgender males and female sports? Because this is going to be litigated, clearly. It's going to, I mean, you know, the other side, if you will, is not going to give up. What, what are the arguments kind of for and against this? I mean, how do you, how do you kind of game plan legally for what's, a, what's coming ahead from a lawsuit perspective? Well, I think, you know, certainly with regards to the colleges and universities, you, you still have Title IX. Title IX uh, cannot be just simply turned on its head. Title IX is to protect women, to provide them with opportunities to engage in sports. It also applies to many of the high school and other uh, levels of sports as well. There are laws that are in place to protect women. But when a man can be confused or pretend or just simply say that he now wants to identify as a woman, that literally turns all of the laws, whether they're state or federal or constitutional laws, completely on their head. And it discriminates against women in every category, whether it's constitutional or whether it's a state or federal statutory laws. Do you expect this to then climb in the, uh, in the judicial ranks, if you will? Uh, does this have a Supreme Court potential decision written all over it, or do you don't think it'll go that far? No, I think it has a Supreme Court uh, case written all over it. It's just a matter of when the Supreme Court will take one of these cases, not if. Uh, a number of these cases will be percolating through the court system. Some of them are doing that now, and more so will come down the pipe as well. But I think this is destined to the United States Supreme Court. And hopefully we have some common sense on the high court that men are men and women are women. And you can't just simply change your gender or sex like you change your hair color. Yeah, for sure. By the way, uh, the, the liberals love to talk about how they're pro-woman, and then here's a pro-woman bill, and yet it doesn't seem like they're pro-women at all. It sounds like they're pro-liberal utopia is what they're really pro. You know, the old style liberal has long gone away, and what you have is uh, driven by ideology. Just look at the ACLU. Remember, there were times when the ACLU was on our side on religious freedom cases. Not anymore, because they've been captured by the LGBTQ and abortion agenda, and that's essentially what you have with the, the liberals in the Democratic Party as well. That's their ultimate objective, and anything else gets in the way, it's pushed to the side. So there's no longer any principle, there's just an end goal and that is to push LGBTQ and also abortion and everything else, whether it's women's rights, protecting women's privacy, providing opportunity to women, no matter what it is, it just simply gets put aside. Matt Staver, Chairman of the Liberty Council, really appreciate your time as always. Great to, great to see you, sir. Great insight.
Thank you. Good to be with you. All right. Matt Staver, uh, who, by the way, is down there in Florida, Liberty Council. They have offices in quite a, diff quite a few places, but uh, big fans of Ron DeSantis. He has done uh, quite a bit uh, of work down there. And so, so we wait to see. We wait to see uh, how this, if and when this moves up uh, to the Supreme Court level. And oh, by the way, elections do have consequences. When Donald Trump was president, let me think, oh, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, Technically, it feels a bit like 6-3 on the Supreme Court. Okay, sorry, John Roberts, so let me take that back. Kind of 5-4. Either way, this could be good news for uh, advocates of religious freedom if it does indeed make its way to the Supreme Court. We're back in a moment with Rick Green in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. We love Texas, the great state of Texas. Let's sing the song. I don't know the song. I'll be honest with you. I don't know the song. Maybe Rick Green, who will be here in a moment, will sing the song. Hey, that could go viral, and we would like that because that gives us more clicks and views, and that's really all we care about here at the water cooler. All right, so uh, Donald Trump, why don't we put up this statement? Uh, he went ahead and released this press release about Greg Abbott, the governor down there who's running for re-election. Governor Greg Abbott will continue to be a great leader for the Lone Star State and has my complete and total endorsement for re-election. He will never let you down. Well, there you have it. I know there's some conservatives that have been concerned with Greg Abbott as it relates to COVID, especially in the early days. Let's bring in Rick Green, uh, shall we? Uh, founder of PatriotAcademy.com. Rick, a pleasure to see you, sir. It's a pleasure to see you, David, and I promise I won't sing. I do know the song. But I want you to keep some of your listeners. And if I sing, they're all gone. I promise. All They'll right. never come back. Well, you yep. may be off key on that, but you're very much on key regarding the Constitution. And now on Greg Abbott, let's be yeah. honest, talking about keys, you, you feel like he's been off key for a while. He's been better recently. What's your take on the Trump endorsement here? You know, I, I mean, I love Donald Trump. And I know. He was Go a ahead. fantastic president. He is terrible at endorsements. I don't know who <laughs> makes those decisions for him. But, I mean, Greg Abbott's nothing like Donald Trump. And to say that he won't let us down, he's let us down for the last year acting as a dictator. Mm -hmm. He failed miserably in the legislative session to get the border. We, we had a bill that would have built the border wall right there in Texas. If he really wanted to champion that issue and end the border war, at least on the Texas side of things, he could have done that and chose not to. Uh, we lost so many good pieces of legislation because he just failed to lead. It's always been that way. He tends to jump out in front of the parade and act like he's leading. So I just I'm really disappointed in Donald Trump's endorsement. We got some great patriots running. Don Hoffines, Sid Miller. I'm hoping Alan West is going to run uh, much better Trump like candidates in Texas. Uh, that he could have endorsed. So, yeah, I, it's disappointing, to say the least. Yeah, I bet. You know, our, our producer, Madison, had a good point. I want to put up this new uh, next headline. Uh, he does the endorsement right after this comes out. Texas Governor Abbott vows to cut pay for state Democrats and others blocking GOP voting reform bill, as in, hey, Greg Abbott, way to go on that. And uh, we know how much Donald Trump loves that uh, election integrity stuff going on in all the states. That's interesting. Yeah, that's another one, too, David, that, I mean, should have been passed early in the session. That was a top priority to wait until the very end. 
and empower the Democrats to be able to walk out. I mean, the last time they ran away and didn't do their job was 20 years ago. It was actually the session right after I left the Texas House, and they literally fled the state so that, the, that we wouldn't be able to vote on redistricting. Uh, so we should have seen this coming. It's really a failure of not only Governor Abbott, but Lieutenant Governor Patrick and Speaker Phelan. I mean, they just, they, they empowered the Democrats. We got super majorities in Texas. Never should have put them in that position, but you know, that's a failure of leadership on their part. Uh, hopefully we'll have a special session and be able to correct it later. But man, we lost a lot of good pieces of legislation. And, and you've heard me say it, you know, listen, this election integrity thing, is huge. And for all those people out there that are buying the lies about election integrity bills are somehow suppressing the vote, all they're doing is making sure that your vote counts and that an illegal vote doesn't cancel out your vote. That's what election integrity is all about. That's what we were trying to do in Texas. We're just going to have to come back in a couple of months and finally get it done, I hope. For sure. I'm glad you pointed that out, Rick. Hey, you are America's Constitution coach, so I want to read you a headline uh, from just the news. It was uh, it came up yesterday. It caught my attention. It said this, cruise line requiring vaccination proof dares Florida's DeSantis to enforce his vaccine passport ban. So here, uh, help me out legally, constitutionally here. I mean, we have an issue here. We have what, a private company, Cruise Line, and I know how you feel about private companies, which I'll explain in a moment, but they wanna have this vaccine passport situation, but DeSantis is putting down a law in Florida saying, no, you can't require that. So, so what happens here? Yeah, you know, we've got this really strange thing happening, a realignment in America where big tech, big corporations are becoming the enforcer for big government. They're actually kind of like the brown shirts. I mean, they're literally enforcing what the government wants. And so we've really got to think hard about these first principles and how we keep a free market and let private business do what it wants to do. But think about how much we micromanage private business right now, all of the you know health things, all of the ADA things that we require of businesses. So to say that we can't uh, allow government to protect our, our health privacy, um, that's really what Ron DeSantis is doing. He's saying, look, you don't have the right uh, to ask those kind of questions or require those things. And, and really, David, we're also forgetting the science. The person that gets COVID naturally has a better immunity than the person that gets the vaccine. So why should that person not be allowed to have the freedom to go on a cruise or go into a restaurant? That piece is being completely ignored by the left and completely ignored by big business that wants to use these vaccine passports to literally separate us, to divide us as a people. So Ron DeSantis continues to lead boldly. I love what he did uh, just yesterday with the whole, you know, no guys and girls sports. Yeah. He's bold in the way he says it. He says, we're not going to be coward. I was with him last Friday in, in Florida. I got the tag team with him on an event. And after I got over my jealousy of him ha being taller and having much better hair than me, you know, the shallow <laughs> things. Once I got over that um, and I heard him talk about critical race theory and how we shouldn't allow uh, this to be taught to our kids where it teaches them to hate their nation, hate each other, and hate themselves. I mean, he's so right about all these issues, and he's so bold. That's the kind of leadership I'd love to see in the governor's mansion in every state, including Texas. Let me follow up on the vaccine passport cruise situation. So yeah. uh, what's the deal then? I mean, because cruises then will basically ask you for some private health information. Uh, and so they what they can or cannot do that. I mean, I, I mean in other words, from a private business standpoint, uh, how does that work? Well, we've always had, not always, I should take that back. We've had in the last 40 years, all kinds of legislation and laws to protect your health information. It really kind of began when we had the AIDS epidemic in the 1980s. There was legislation passed at state level and federal mm -hmm. level so that you wouldn't have to answer those kind of questions. We've done that with other issues. The whole HIPAA thing is about you being able to have health privacy. 
Um, I, you know, when people say, you know, uh, do, have you had the vaccine yet? I say, well, you know, do you have a Viagra subscription? Uh, do you have all kinds of, you know, let's let's start asking personal health issues of people. This is ridiculous. It's bad. It's really, honestly, David, let's think about it. This is a Marxist communist idea that is used to separate us, to micromanage each other. A vaccine passport, you know, I was just here with my good Jewish friend, uh, Daniel Horowitz uh, is, is speaking at an event with me and he said, he was saying the same thing. He's saying this vaccine passport is just like a yellow star. I mean, this is so wrong what we're doing and it doesn't matter if it's private enterprise or government doing it. It's against our health freedom and against our health privacy. Well, you know, you said those two words, yellow star. I know Marjorie Taylor Greene was here the other day. Uh, she got in hot water about it. And I understand. I even got in hot water because I started nodding. Uh, but I, I know that's out there. Uh, but just to be clear, I've got 20 seconds left. You're not trying to compare anything to the Holocaust. I know that, Rick. I know. Well, you know, Daniel had a wonderful guest on just last week that was a Holocaust survivor that was, I mean, four or five years old when she was in those concentration camps. And she said, Gotta run. you better look at early 1930. All right. Well, Rick, uh, I got you. You were talking about 1930s Germany. Gotcha. We'll be back in a moment. Thanks, Rick. Up against a tight break. Back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. What is that? Water Cooler. That's the, that's the new name of the show, the Water Cooler. Time for the last sip. Um, so here's the thing. Um, if you're Joe Biden and you need to get Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, two Democrats, center-left Democrats, on board, here's something you don't do. Don't diss them in public. So what did Joe Biden do yesterday? Can we say it all together? He dissed them in public. Okay, he didn't say their names, but everybody knew. More importantly, they knew. Here's what he said. In June should be a month of action on Capitol Hill. I hear all the folks on TV saying, why doesn't Biden get this done? Well, because Biden only has a majority of effectively four votes in the House and a tie in the Senate with two members of the Senate who vote more with my Republican friends. Okay, so those two people he's talking about, those two uh, senators who vote with uh, my Republican friends, <laughs> Republican friends, anyhow, uh, that's Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. And I can tell you, they heard the comments because, I don't know, they watch television, they Google, they understand. Uh, look, Joe Biden, uh, this is a problem for you, okay? Uh, here's the deal. If you want a liberal utopia, why am I speaking straight, should I should speaking straight to Joe Biden? Okay, I'm sure he's watching. Look, Joe. If you want a liberal utopia, you need to change the legislative filibuster. If you change the legislative filibuster, you're going to get D.C. statehood. You'll get voting rights, H.R. 1. Uh, you'll get the Equality Act. Uh, what else will you get? Uh, my goodness, there's so much more. Oh, immigration. You can get the kitten caboodle. You'll get everything. Uh, but here's the problem. You need the two people you just talked about to change the legislative filibuster. Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin do not want to do that. They have been pressured by this White House to uh, change the filibuster. They are holding strong. 
dot, dot, dot for now. So we'll see uh, how that works out. But, you know, I will admit that Joe Biden uh, is right, uh, that a lot of folks don't understand. A lot of people think, hey, uh, we've got the presidency, we've got the White House, or excuse me, we've got the Senate, we've got the House, we've got the White House. And if the party, uh, whether it be Republicans or Democrats, control all three levers of government, then they can do whatever they want. Well, they actually can't. Uh, and we know that because the Senate filibuster, that means you need 60 votes to do anything in the Senate, not 50. So that's what the ball game is all about. Can they actually uh, change the legislative filibuster? Democrats did this with judges back in 2013. They changed the judicial filibuster. It came back to bite them when McConnell changed it on the Supreme Court nominees. Will this come back to bite Democrats if they go there? We'll see. Back in a moment. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. End of the show, Anna Perez, Real America's voice correspondent. That is a Real America's voice correspondent. <laughs> can I just say R.A.V.? You can just say Anna. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Madison, can we start that over again? Anna, okay. Uh, Anna from R.A.V. That's a cool moniker. Anna from, from R.A.V. R-A-V. Yeah, I like that. That's kind of hip. Okay, uh, what do you got going? Well, right now, the leader of the diversity team over at Google, Uh some comments just resurfaced from his blog entitled, If I Were a Jew, where he stated stated that uh, Jews essentially have an insatiable appetite for killing. Um, And of course, being that he is the head of the diversity team over at Google, this is particularly controversial. Um, But I think it just goes to show when they create these groups that are supposed to be leading the diversity initiative at, you know, big tech companies or, you know, things that are these these things that are pushed by, you know, Mm -hmm. as we know, the far left and big tech are in bed together. So it's no surprise that they're pushing for their agenda. Um, It just goes to show these are the people who are making the calls for who to ban or who to because, you know, Google Mm -hmm. owns YouTube and a slew of other companies. So they have a lot of power. That's right. And, you know, based off of their cancel culture initiative, you would think, you know, that their option, their idea of who's going to be leading these groups would Mm -hmm. be a saint. They would be perfect. They would have these perfect paths. They would have never said things like this. So it's just interesting how we see this double standard. You know, these are people who are making decisions, yet it's not okay for the former president of the United States to be on Twitter. Oh, 100%. And, and they control algorithms and right. what comes up in your Google search and all of that. So do we know, like, how long ago was this? Was this a while back? So this and was just re- reported by the Washington Free Beacon. This is from, this is a 2007 post. Oh, 2007 So post. it is a long time ago, but mm-hmm. I, again, I just think it draws, you know, the to our attention, the double standard that exists, because there are plenty of conservatives that may have said things you know that they aren't too happy about now mm-hmm. in the past. They've apologized about to they've apologized for it and moved on. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's interesting that you know again, well, okay, so none of these people are okay. These people all have to be canceled mm-hmm. by the left standards. So I assume you must have these perfect people to be leading the charge on your end. That's and exactly yet, right. That's appears to not be the case. And, you know, we have yet to see whether or not he'll apologize. So obviously they were abhorrent comments, but 
there's definitely a double standard here. I think that that's what this brings to our attention. A hundred percent. Cancel culture coming could potentially come for the left too, for sure. Yeah. All right, Anna, thanks. A Anna from RAV. Anna from RAV. All right, gotcha. Uh, by the way, some good news. Uh, we want to welcome those of you that are now watching RAV on Samsung TV Plus channel 1029. Hey, that's pretty cool. Do I have a Samsung TV? I need to get one of those plus. See you tomorrow.